All right, are you ready for, uh, men, are you ready for a men's conference? Huh, that didn't sound very masculine. Are you ready for a men's conference? All right, well, we're gonna do uh, this one in November, and we're calling it Men of Valor. I thought it'd be appropriate if I preached on Men of Valor and what that means. I'm also donning this uh, military uh, coat. You'll notice it's got Influence Army over here. Got my name over here. I got no patches. I've achieved nothing. Just want to go on record, but that's going to change. That's going to change. You know, interesting statistic that when only the mother attends church, 67% of the children do not attend after they get out of the, out of the uh, household. However, if the father attends church on a regular basis, that number is just reversed. About 70% of the kids attend church. You see, what's happened in our land is, oh, there's a famine, all right. A famine for the word of God, but there's a famine for male leadership. And uh, you can be a man and not lead. You can be a man and lead and not lead with courage. And I want to call you today, men, to lead with courage, to be a man of valor. As I began to study that word valor, I thought it was really interesting to, to read about it and kind of get into it. I want to give you just two uh, early illustrations here of it, and then we're going to get into our text in Joshua 24. But before I do, the, the word valor means this. It means great courage in the face of danger. It's easy to talk courage when there's no danger. I remember one time my dad retired uh, from, the, from the military, and he said to me one time, he said, you know, Boot camp doesn't do much to prepare you for battle. Movies do nothing and manuals do nothing. It's not until you're in the middle of battle that you understand what it's all about. And I really believe that sometimes you have to pick a fight in order to be courageous. Now, let me explain. Sometimes you sit back, you do nothing, and you say, I'm just not going to get involved. Well, that's never, you're never going to find courage in those situations. There's plenty to get involved in in our world, amen? There's plenty of things to stand up for in our world, and we need to stand up as men, amen? It also means strength of mind and spirit, boldness and determination. I'm glad that that was modeled for me as a child in my father, and it had been modeled for him by his father. Now, you may say, well, my father didn't model that, or I don't even know where my father is. That doesn't mean that you have to come up on the short end of the stick. You just say, I will change the course of the future of my family. I will break the generational damage that was done, and I will be a man of God, a man after God's own heart. Amen? Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 19 says, The Lord is my strength. You'll notice I have that little Hebrew word there, kael, and it literally means sometimes it's translated strength. It's the same word, valor. So imagine if like, the Lord is my valor, okay? He is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me stand and walk on my high hills. Now look at this, what it says in Deuteronomy 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, he who gives you the power to get valor. Here, it's translated wealth. And what you have to understand in the Hebrew language that 
There are less words and less letters of the alphabet because they're pictographic. That means they, they spell a picture, they tell a story. And I wanna know, is your life telling a story of strength and wealth? There's a cycle that you can establish in your household for success. And it's not about making money. It's about being a man after God's own heart. It says that he will establish his covenant that he swore with your fathers as it is to this day. So I want to give you some characteristics of a man of valor today. Man, I hope you take notes. If you'll look in your app, all these notes that I'm giving you are there, but you can add to that. I think the first thing that a man of valor has to have is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You know, the knowledge of God, the Bible says in Proverbs 1-7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, you think about knowledge, you think how a child develops over time and they begin to learn a little here, a little there, but it says here that real knowledge comes from the fear of the Lord. So you can be smart, you can be well-educated, but if you don't fear the Lord. Now let me explain what fear the Lord means. It doesn't mean that you cowl in the corner, that you're always afraid of God. It means that you show God the respect that he, as God, deserves. I remember I was talking to somebody and he didn't know I was a pastor and he was using the Lord's name in vain and he was doing all kinds of things. I just let him go on for a while. It's more fun that way. And uh, then he said, what do you do? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, pastor. I said, hey, you didn't use my name in vain. You, you're not, you're apologizing the wrong person. I can take it. But God doesn't tolerate it. That's the difference. And I think we have to remember that whenever we, whenever we venture into a world that we think is masculine, if it's contrary to the word of God, then it's not masculine at all. Because God created male and female. He created you to be masculine, to have certain things and characteristics in your life. And one of them is to understand how to control your speech. Well, I just can't help it. I don't really mean anything by it. Really? Then maybe none of the other words mean anything. You see, you have to come back to the reality of what's important in my life. What am I projecting in my life? You see, he also tells us to serve the Lord with sincerity. Am I sincerely serving God or am I, is God a hobby in my life? You know, am I just kind of going to church because it's the thing to do or, or is it really, am I sincere in the depth of my being? I just love God. You know, and, and all of us are in different stages of life, and sometimes we're up with the Lord, sometimes we're a little down, and sometimes we're just, it's kind of flatlined. But it doesn't mean you have to stay there. The great thing about walking with God is God is always ready to restore, bring you back into complete, full fellowship with him at any moment in your life. You see, it's only your friends and your neighbors that keep the, the wrong deeds written on the board. 
God comes every day and he says all the blessings of God are new every morning and he erases everything from your past. You're cleansed under the power of the blood of the Lamb of God. Satan may come as the accuser of the brethren. He's pointing his finger at you. He's saying you're not worthy and Jesus is going, he's my son, he's my daughter. They are worthy of all love and all grace and all forgiveness and all of those things. You see, that's the only way you can live your life. You have to live your life new every day. The Bible says, if I don't forgive others my trespasses, neither will the Father forgive me of my trespasses. See, when you hold something against somebody for any reason, you're not walking in godliness, you're walking in sin. Do you want God to do that? I mean, how about this? God just brings up your faults every single day, and he says, every day you're going to hell. Now, that's encouraging. No, that's horrible. He says, serve the Lord in truth. What is truth? Truth is not what you think truth is. Truth is the word of God. John 17, 17, said, Jesus said, thy word is truth. So I wanna know the word of God. I wanna study the word of God. I wanna be in the word of God. I wanna fear the Lord. Will you say that with me? Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Just remember, I need to fear the Lord God above all others. And the second thing, I need to take a stand. Say with me, take a stand. Joshua 24, verse 15. Now, this is the last chapter of the book of Genesis, of, of Joshua. And he's giving his farewell speech. He's estimated to be about 110 years of age at this time. So he's been a faithful warrior all these years. And he says this, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. In other words, if you're not gonna serve God, who are you going to serve? Because everybody serves somebody. Right? Choose whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But look what he says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Did you notice he didn't say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm gonna make a decision, Joshua said, even at 110, that my household is gonna be pressed hard after the Lord, amen? And that's what we wanna do. Next weekend is a special weekend for us. Uh, every weekend is special, we love everyone. If you wanna miss any of them, just don't miss next week, amen? But we have Jonathan Isaac with us, and he's going to be here. I wanna show you a slide here. This is uh, Jonathan, and uh, I'm so excited. I met him, I was speaking out in South Carolina last month, and I met him, and my literary agent came up and said, you've got to meet Jonathan Isaac. And so we went over, and he's 6'10", without that hair. <laughs> so that tells you about 7'2", amen? And uh, he is the uh, only player in the NBA that refused to bow, and he wrote a book called Stand. <laughs> now let me tell you a little bit about him. I'm gonna, I want to tell you a little bit of backstory on him. So he played uh, basketball at Florida State, and in, uh, in 2016 and 17, he decided after his freshman year to sign with the NBA. All right, so he's 19 years old, signs a $70 million contract with the Orlando Magic. He was the sixth overall draft pick for the Magic, and uh, he was raised, but let me tell you how he was raised. So he was raised, his dad was a, he grew up in the Bronx, his dad was a manager of a McDonald's, and his dad did not give in any 
of the family the option, they all had to memorize scripture. So from the time he was little, he memorized scriptures every single week. He grew up to learn how to respect people, be kind to people. He grew up in a part of Bronx that's known as the red light district of Bronx. So it, would, it wasn't like he grew up in a great environment at all. But he said, when I walked into the chapel for the first day when I played for the NBA, the preacher that was there used this scripture, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He said, it was that moment I made a decision that everything I did in the NBA was gonna be for Jesus Christ. You see, where he is today is not an accident. It's not an accident that he loves God. His father poured into him what was important, and somehow that stuck, amen? And you see, if we're not willing to stand, what are we going to do? We're gonna fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything in your life. You see, when you go back and you think about this idea of standing, what are the consequences if I don't stand? Well, I can raise generations that don't stand. My, my world can fall apart around me if I don't stand. I don't feel like I'm a person of worth if I don't stand. You see, nobody ever feels good by backing down. You know, I remember uh, my son said to me one time, he said, you know, Dad, I don't really want you to get in a fight but I'd like to know that you're willing to get in one. And I said, what about the success? Are you, yeah, I'd like you to win too. But, but you, you know what I mean? It's, it's the idea that I want my dad to be able to stand for something, to be courageous, to be bold, to be a man of God. You see, sometimes you have to just realize you have to make a real decision. You know what a real decision is? It's when there's no other options. You say, well, I don't know how to make a decision. I got so many options out here. Well, you have to eliminate all but one. You never can make a decision if everything looks like a great opportunity. You know, the people I know that say I've got so many great opportunities rarely accomplish much because they're always torn between what am I going to do? What, am I, what direction am I going to go? What am, who am I? What am I all about? You have to come to a place where you make a real decision. My real decision is this. I'm going to serve the Lord. Me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Our oldest son called and he said, I'll bet you never thought you'd have all three kids in ministry. And he left a, a job with U.S. Bank, a very good job, and now works for a Christian ministry investment firm. And I said, no, I really never thought I would see all three kids in ministry, especially you. <laughs> but you see, somehow... If you pour into a child when they're young, they may take a journey away, but there's something inside that draws you back. It draws you back, but they have to see that commitment in you. And you see, you have to forget compromise. Forget compromise. So many times we're trying, to, we're trying so hard to take our kids down a path that they sometimes don't even want to be on. I remember when both our boys were playing on two different soccer teams. And if you've ever had a kid on the soccer team, you know it's as close to hell as you can ever get. Because they were like, I don't know, they, they, they practice like 20 times a week. Then they got games that are never close. Are you, can anybody relate to this? I re, and then we got two going in sep, on two different teams. 
I used to pray for minor injuries just to stay home for a couple of days. Amen. Don't, I don't want them seriously hurt God, but just because you just kind of bruise them up and get something wrong with them for a little bit because it's, this is tough. But you see, you have to forget compromise in your life. I'm going to say, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Let you as the parent, let you as the father decide the, the, the direction your household is going to go. Don't let the children decide the direction your household is going to go. Amen? See, a dog has a tail. This might be new to some of you. But the tail should never direct the dog. And that's what happens when you let your kids direct your household. It's the tail is wagging the dog. It never works well. It doesn't look good. Doesn't look proper for a dog to be wiggling the tail to stationary. Are you with me? Act like you're with me then. All right, amen. All right, next thing you need to do is make a decision. Can you say make a decision? Make a decision. Joshua 24, 19. Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is holy and he is a jealous God. In other words, if you go after these other gods, you can't serve other gods and other idols and other things and serve the Lord. A lot of people try to straddle the fence. When I was uh, growing up, my granddad had a farm in North Missouri. He had about 500 acres. He farmed it from the time he was 13 till he was 78. Dad died, had to take over the farm. And I remember one time we were crossing a fence and they, they barbed wire fence, if you know that, and what you do is they have a little bit of uh, looseness in them so you can push them down and you can go over them. So he held it down for me and I went over and, and then I held it down for him and then I got distracted. Bird flew by and I let it go <laughs> right in midstream. I didn't know that man could jump that high. You see, you can't straddle a fence. It never works if you stay in between. One foot over here in the world, one foot over here in God, and you just go, I, I'm just real. No, you're never comfortable straddling a barbed wire fence. You're never comfortable straddling the world and God. And the Bible says you can't serve a holy God, a jealous God, and serve your own desires and your own wishes and your own pleasures. You say, well, I prayed about it. Well, you know, let me tell you something. Prayer is not a process of truth. The Word of God is true. You can't violate the Word of God and uphold and convince me or anybody else that you prayed about it and God told you it was okay. That's not how it works. Prayer is connection with God. The Word of God is truth. Prayer is never called truth. It's called connection. It's called fellowship. It's called letting your request made known unto God. But you have to direct it by the Word of the living God. Can you say amen on that? Joshua 24, 21. The people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Can I hear that out of your mouth? No, but we will serve the Lord. You see, you have to say that. You have to remind yourself, because guess what? It's easy to forget it when you get caught up in the middle of life. And you just have to come back and go, wait a minute, I'm gonna serve the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself. Think about that statement. You have just testified against yourself. You have said, I will serve the Lord, then, then your, your own spirit, your own conscience is saying, I will hold you accountable for that. That you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. 
And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you, incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. His voice we will obey. You see, the choices that we make today and every day of our life, they affect, the Bible says, up to four generations. Up to four, think of that. Decisions I make today are not gonna affect just my children or my grandchildren, but my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren. He says he brings the blessings in, even to the thousandth generation, it tells us in the Ten Commandments. What would you think if bad decisions you were making today affected people you would never meet? But yet they carry your name, they carry your your bloodline. Because you made a bad decision, you affected the outcome of their very life. The Bible calls these generational curses. That we bring things into our household, or we've we've inherited things into our house. It doesn't mean you can't, it's not an excuse. It doesn't mean you can't break it, but you have to determine that I will break that curse against me and against my, my household. Amen. Our brains are shaped by our reactions. Do you know that the, the speech center of the brain is directly attached to what you say? So when I say something, the speech center of my brain sends that signal to all my nervous system. So if I say, for example, I'm sick, my nervous system, because of the brain center, doesn't know if I'm sick or not sick, it believes what I say. And all of a sudden, my nerves begin to be affected and respond to sickness. That's why I really believe that people are sick and they're always telling people they're sick, they stay sick. Because the Bible says, let the words of your mouth, let them be life, not death. When you speak death over you, you're gonna inherit some death in your life. You're gonna, you're gonna have some setback. When you speak life over you, I've known people that go through horrible, horrible physical trauma and difficulties and I never hear a negative word out of their mouth. How you feeling? It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. I love God, thank God, I'm, I'm doing good and getting better. You see, they're speaking life over them. You see, how are you shaping your brains? See, there is a plasticity of your brain. That means your brain can actually be shaped by the way you think. It's called neuroplasticity. Pretty cool word, huh? But what it really means is what the Bible says, that don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I can renew my mind. I can have a new, fresh mind every single day. I can think new thoughts. I can get rid of old thoughts. I can take care of all those patterns of my past where, where you know, if, if you grew up in a household that was just a poverty mindset and you're never gonna succeed and everything's bad and there's no good, then break that cycle. Just say, no, that's not for me. They might have enjoyed that one, but I don't enjoy that. I want, I want life. I'm gonna speak good. I'm gonna find opportunities everywhere I go. I'm gonna see what God can do, amen? See what God can do. Be a man of valor. I got up this morning and I, and I wrote a prophetic blessing for the men today. And it's a blessing called the men of valor. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have everybody stand and I want the men to come forward and I'm gonna, we're gonna share this blessing together. I'm gonna speak it out, you're gonna repeat it after me. Just come on forward, all you men. 
just ram in here. Ladies not invited. All right? Just the men. Just squeeze in here. Get close enough you can catch something. Amen? Good to see you, Tim. Tim moved away. We really miss you, brother, but God bless you and your household. Good to connect with you last week. All right, any other men? Come on up here. If you're standing next, lady, if you're standing next to a man, say, get up there where you belong. All right, don't let them sit back there. There's a couple of guys in the back. Don't let them give them a break. All right. So I wrote this because I wanted it to be a blessing over you. And there's something that happens. If you speak the right words, like we just said, it has an effect on your life. Amen? Has an effect on your life. So here's how it goes. I commit before the Lord that I will strive to become a man of valor. I will exercise great courage in the face of danger. I will strengthen my mind and my spirit with boldness and determination. In the name of Jesus, I declare the blessing of a thousand generations over me and my family. The curse is broken. The curse is broken. Say it like you mean it. Amen. The favor is coming like a flood. My life will be marked by good decisions and obedience to the word of God. I will destroy the works of the enemy so future generations may prosper and usher in the kingdom of God. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. Amen, I receive it. I receive it.